2: As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my sports in one app, like the National Women's Soccer League included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.
0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Wednesday. Gangs here, ready to go, all fired up. You can be part of the program in a variety of ways. You can email, tweet, dial us up. All the above. Operator Tyler standing by. 877-3DP-SHOW. Stat of the day is always brought to you by the great folks at Panini America, the official trading cards. Of the Dan Patrick Show. Play of the day, poll questions, stat of the day, all of that forthcoming. Good morning if you're watching on Peacock, our streaming partner, Fox Sports Radio, iHeartRadio, and now close to 390 cities around America carrying this program. Knicks beat the Heat. We're tied at a game apiece, and the Lakers surprise the Warriors and take game one in that series. Tonight, it'll be the 76ers at the Celtics. That's game two. Judging from the DraftKings odds with the 76ers getting 10 against the Celtics, I'm guessing that Joel Embiid, the freshly minted MVP, will not be playing in that game. But he got the uh, MVP last night in a nice little ceremony with his team. Uh, LeBron James, for the first time in his career, did not get an MVP vote. Steph Curry finished 12th. (laughs) Okay but it's based off the regular season. Golden State underachieved during the regular season. The Lakers did as well. Surprised that they didn't get that LeBron didn't get a vote, but uh, Joker finished second in the MVP race, and I'm sure as he motors on with a 2-0 lead on the Suns, he's fine with that as a nice consolation prize for the time being. This program this hour brought to you by Discover credit cards. They do something incredible. They double all the cash back you've earned after your first year. So uh, cash back from trips and restaurants, all doubled. See terms, check out, out for yourself, discover.com slash match. Seaton, the poll question today is going to be what for our one? Well, we might as well start with the big story okay. of the day. Jordan Poole's shot was a good
1: decision or a bad decision?
0: All right, they're down three. The Lakers did what I keep telling teams to do. Take the ball out of the best player's hands. Do not let Steph Curry beat you. They double teamed him, and then they whipped it around Jordan Poole, who had a pretty good shooting performance last night, then was wide open from 30 feet away with 10 seconds to go. It felt like he could have been wide open from 25 feet away, one dribble, but we're going to criticize the result here. Now, He's not a bad shooter close to 30% from 30 feet out. Uh, Do I want him taking the shot? If it's wide open, I'm fine with it. Steph was not going to get the shot. Clay was not getting an open look there. They let Jordan Poole have that shot, double teaming Steph Curry. Uh, I would have liked to have had him step in a little bit, but Maybe he gets fouled, he doesn't get the the three point attempt. Uh, you know, Dennis Schroeder was double teaming staff, got over there late, maybe he gets fouled. But do I want him taking a wide open jumper from thirty feet away? You know, the wide open part is the interesting description there. It wasn't contested. Here's Steve Kerr talking about Jordan Poole taking that shot. I thought Jordan did a really good job. Um, I had the timeouts
4: left, but I saw them double-teaming Steph at half court. So I knew somebody was going to be wide open if we could just get the ball uh, out. And Steph did a great job. He got the ball out of the trap, and um, Jordan was wide open and pretty good look. You know, that's, that's a shot he can hit. So really, you know, happy with that possession. And uh, again, that's you know, Jordan had hit six threes already, so it's a great shot for us.
0: I don't know if it's a great shot. And, yes, he had hit six threes last night. Steph and Clay did not have good nights at all. And Steve Kerr, of course, is going to back his guy. Now, if he would have said, I don't know what he was doing from 30 feet away, or we should have gotten the ball to Clay or Steph, of course he's going to say that was a good shot. He was happy with Jordan Poole's shot. Um, It felt like, you know, the Lakers had a philosophy there with the clock ticking down. Steph, double teaming as soon as you can, and they did a great job at that. Now, if Jordan Poole hits that shot, I'd still say, I didn't like the shot. You know, I'll go back to, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Damon uh, Lillard. He took the shot, hit the shot, beat the Clippers. Paul George said it was a bad shot, and people went, oh, sour grapes on your part. No, it was a bad shot. It was a great result. But if I look at the decision and the results, that's different. It was a bad shot, off balance, fading away, but he made it, which give credit to Dame Lillard. But that shot last night from 30 feet away when it felt like, see, I didn't know why he was setting up. A lot of times when you're waiting for a shot, you have your foot set, your left foot would be set, and you're ready to get the ball to shoot. Well, if nobody's on you, why are you 30 feet out and not 25 feet out? And, and you can say, well, what's the difference there? Well, it, was a, it wasn't even close. I mean, the shot wasn't close to going in. And I know that he's out there to try to help Steph Curry, and maybe Steph couldn't make the pass over to him if he's five feet in. I, I just think with 10 seconds to go, you could have done better at getting a better shot. Jordan Poole had a good night last night. Uh, I would have said, I don't like the shot, but if he made it, you know, the end result, they end up tying that game. But the Lakers did what I implore teams to do. Don't let the best guy on the floor beat you. So I applaud them for doing that. And Anthony Davis played well last night. But this is where you go, yes, yes, this is what he can do. It's not like you go, hey, wow, what a rare performance by AD. It's, yes, he should be doing this. 30 and 23. You know, when your name gets mentioned with Shaq and Kareem as far as a, you know, playoff performance, it's pretty good. So they put up 30 and 23. LeBron didn't play well. And, and I don't know why he keeps shooting these threes. He was one of eight from three point range. He's not a good three point shooter. At some point, you're 9 for 24 from the floor. You're hurting your team. And they let him. And he's better than that as far as getting a better shot. It's almost like he wanted to say, oh, you guys shoot three, so do we. They shoot it a lot better than you do, LeBron. But one of eight from three-point range. At some point, you have to say, you know, not my night. Let me get to the hoop. But AD played really well. Um, and he basically was the one guy, him and Jordan Poole, you know, Looney had 23 rebounds there. They just don't have an answer for A.D. And I'll go back to what Reggie Miller said on Monday. They, they don't have anybody who can guard Anthony Davis. Looney can't guard him. Draymond can't guard him. In fact, Draymond was talking about A.D. after the game.
5: I think when you're guarding a player like AD, you know, it's never going to be one guy that just shuts him down. It's a team effort. As far as the matchup goes, you know, you got to take that head on. And, you know, I don't think we did a great job of that tonight. Like I said, that starts with me.
0: No, they didn't. Didn't at all. Uh, And Looney is great at rebounding. But as far as shutting down, they don't have anybody over 6'9 on that roster. It's small ball. And if small ball works, it wins championships. But when it doesn't, they're vulnerable. And you saw that last night. A.D. took advantage of them inside. Here is uh, Darvin Ham, the Lakers head coach.
2: In his last two games, is this as well as you've seen A.D. play ever?
5: I mean, he had some monster performances that year. They, they were uh, He was with New Orleans, but you know all of that's in the past. I, I think he's doing exactly what I anticipated him to do. He's playing like the top five NBA player that he is.
0: The fifth player in Lakers history to post a 30-20 playoff game. Shaq did it nine times. Kareem twice. Wilt did it twice. Elgin Baylor did it 11 times. Also throw in five assists and uh, four blocks. I mean, that's as impressive as we've had in the last 40 years. <laughs> I mentioned in the last 40 years, here's the reason why. The last time you had somebody who had 30, 20, five assists, four blocks in a playoff game, it's happened once. You guys want to guess? In the last 40 years, this player had at least 30, 20 rebounds, at least five assists, and four blocks in a playoff game. The last 40 years. His name was mentioned on the show, I believe, yesterday. Marvin? Will Chamberlain? No. Paul? Hakeem Olajuwon? No. (gasps) Fritzy? Carl Malone? No. Seton? Carl Malone at the loan? Say Shaq. Tim Duncan. Oh! (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Tim Duncan. Quietly. Yes, of course. Of course, quietly. The Knicks with the win last night. Mid-range bank shot. That's one of those where you're watching and you're going... Guys, you're trailing the heat without Jimmy Butler at home. You're down six. What's going on? I mean, you got Turtle from Entourage there. Come on. Aaron Rodgers is there. John Starks, Dave Chappelle. What's going on? Come on. Get up. (laughs) And then all of a sudden they went on a run. And, uh, you know, Brunson played well, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett. But... I mean, you got to polish off the heat here. If you don't win that game, you don't come back from Miami, it feels like, when you go down there when the uh, series shifts. Yes, yes, Mark.
5: We forgot about Josh Hart. He's probably I, my I love favorite. Josh Hart. He's my favorite player on the Knicks.
0: Love Josh Hart. If I would have said Josh Hart and Brunson, you know, that's that's going to be the backcourt. Why don't you come and uh, why don't you come and get some of this smoke in the Big East? Maybe. Yeah. Yes. At Villanova, you'd go. Okay. All right. They're going to be tough to beat in the NBA. and I I never saw this with Brunson. It always felt like he was going to be one of those. Hey, you know, that's a heady point guard leader type. And then he's he's good score, not afraid. Yeah, see. Was it last year that Emmanuel quickly had that run where he yeah. went off a little bit? Yeah. I keep waiting for him to do that again. But yeah. You see, be
1: like, oh yeah, this dude,
0: let's go. But they should be winning. I mean, you know, this shouldn't have been close last night. It's at the Garden. Come on, you got a bunch of twenty-four-year-olds waiting to take off their shirt and celebrate in New York <laughs> after a big win like that. Let's go. Yeah, we beat the Heat without Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Yeah, Paul.
3: If you watch at the end of the game, there's like 12 seconds left. Jimmy Butler is talking to the Heat fans. He's going, bye bye. Like, I'll see you soon. I'll be back soon. Here's one thing. You know, R.J. Barrett's kind of in that same thing. R.J. Barrett was in the shadow of Zion. You know, he was totally in Zion's shadow in college, and now he's a Nick, and he averages nice points, nice rebounds, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. One other thing I noticed Carmelo Anthony's sitting on the sidelines there. You know, he's you know in the stands, he's yelling and screaming. This guy is 11 months removed from averaging 14 points a game in the NBA. And he can't get on a roster. Couldn't get on a roster this year. Yeah. I mean, that's not that long ago he's averaging 14. Yeah. Which for him is like... Well, averaging. it's
0: basically, hey, Melo, just kind of stand there. We'll eventually get the ball to you. He can still be a great spot-up shooter, but I don't know if he can do anything else. But a great atmosphere last night, and you're having a hard time polishing off the Miami Heat. That's where you get these guys who get like six shots in a game, and then all of a sudden Butler's not in there, and you're getting 16 shots. You're like, yeah, all right. And it can work for one game. But, you know, Miami staying with the Knicks is not like the 76ers beating the Celtics because the 76ers have a lot more talent, it feels like, than the Miami Heat do. But give credit to the Heat. They uh, kept it close, and now they head back to uh, Miami. But uh, tonight, it's the 76ers getting 10 against the Celtics. You guys want to guess? The over/under for James Harden since he had 45 in Game One's win. What's the over/under according to DraftKings, Marvin? Twenty-nine and a half. Seton. Twenty-eight and a half. Fritzy.
5: Thirty-one and a
0: half. Pauly. Thirty-three. Twenty-three and a half. Ooh. Hmm.
5: Yes, Embiid's coming back.
0: I don't think so. If you're a 10-point underdog... That's low,
5: 23-and-a-half, wow.
0: Jason Tatum over under tonight after he put up, what, 39? Marv? 25-and-a-half. Seton? 22-and-a-half.
2: Todd? 27-and-a-half. Paul?
0: 29. 29-and-a-half. 29 oh. We'll yeah. give it to you. We'll give yeah. it to you. Yeah. By the way, the team that's still favored to win the NBA championship this year. 17-and-a-half. No. Oh. no. No, no, no. Oh. 11. No. 11. No, 11. That's one of my favorite answers you ever gave when you weren't really listening. And then you just threw out the number 11. Who do you think that would be? 11. The Celtics are the favorites. They're the big favorites. Then it's the Nuggets, the Lakers, 76ers, Warriors, Suns, Knicks, and then the Miami Heat. But uh, Boston's still the uh, overwhelming favorite followed by the Nuggets and the Lakers. We'll take a break. Phone calls are always welcome. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Uh, We'll get to the phone calls. Got our play of the day. Got another stat of the day for you. And our poll question right after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. Spent a little bit of time talking about the Memphis Grizzlies, and Dylan Brooks is not going to be back with this team. And uh, the beat writer for uh, the Memphis Grizzlies for the Daily Memphian. Drew Hill joins us on the program. Drew, thanks for joining us. Um, take us back to maybe at the All-Star break. Felt like the Grizzlies were trying to replace Dylan Brooks without officially announcing that they were trying to trade for somebody else. Uh, is that true?
4: Yeah, and I think there was actually some frustration there. Um it's not often that you hear a general manager come out and say, hey, we tried. You know, uh, we, we gave our best effort. We offered deals that we thought were above and beyond what anybody else would offer. And it just didn't work out. Nobody would take any of them. But that's essentially what the Memphis Grizzlies did. They were rumored in deals for OG Ananobi. They were rumored in deals for Mikael Bridges, offering as many as four draft picks for him, three first-round draft picks for OG Ananobi. People thought the deals were kind of ridiculous that Memphis was offering a lot. Neither team takes it. And I think uh you heard general manager Zach Kleinman, that he obviously didn't speak on any of the specifics of any of the rumored deals, but he did come out and say, you know, we were really ultra aggressive at this deadline and we just couldn't get a deal to, to go through. And uh so yeah, they they've been trying to make an upgrade at that wing position for a while now, and they haven't really made it much of a secret.
0: How did it go over locally when you had Shams say, quoting, uh, that Dylan was not going to be back under any or any circumstances here?
4: I think people here were ready to move on from Dylan Brooks. Now, Dylan certainly has his fans here, and he's the longest-tenured Grizzly uh, coming into this season. He's one of just two holdovers from the Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley era. So that had made him a, a liked figure here in Memphis – But the way that the last two playoffs have gone, particularly the series against Golden State, now the series against the the Lakers, it really soured people here, um, I think, a good bit. And so for Dylan, uh, I think it's just better for both sides to move on and you could sort of hear and feel that disconnect as this series sort of continued and it became more and more frustrating for him. But, and, but, but Drew, so, yeah.
0: are we looking at the end result here? If Memphis wins that series against the Lakers, are the Memphis fans still okay with Dylan Brooks? Is management okay with Dylan Brooks?
4: I, I think that's a good question, and that's a fair question, but I think that management still this summer is going out and looking for a way to upgrade on the wing. Dylan Brooks is not an efficient shooter. He doesn't exactly fit what they need to do with their core of three players moving forward. He's a good defender. He gets a lot of credit for the defense that he plays. He did not play great defense in that series against the Lakers. The Grizzlies found out that Xavier Tillman was better on LeBron James than Dylan Brooks was. So if if the Grizzlies are solving problems and throwing Dylan Brooks out of the equation – then moving forward, it's not that difficult to throw Dylan Brooks out of the equation. I
0: wonder when he embraced this sort of Draymond Green light that I'm I'm gonna I'm getting coverage now. When you, when you're scoring 18, you're a nice player. You're never going to be the focal point of that team. But it's almost like he'd rather average 14 and be a villain uh, or a tough guy or instigator, and then it kind of blew up in his face.
4: You know, this is really flipped. Two years ago, I was in Utah. It was uh, COVID year, and so we were doing phone interviews back then. And this was right when the Dylan the Villain nickname was starting to take off. And I asked him over the phone if he liked the Dylan the Villain nickname. Now, this is a nickname that dates back to when he was in college at Oregon, so this is it's been around, but it really picked up at, at that time uh, when fans were booing the heck out of him in Utah. And he was not sold on the Dill and the Villain nickname. Okay. He said he he somewhat liked the Dill and the Villain nickname, but he didn't see himself as a villain. That's two years ago. Now he's completely leaned into this villain image, this villain uh, sort of narrative that's around him, and it's obvious that he's leaning into it because of the antics on the court. You know, he, this is a guy that's going after Theo Pinson for standing up on the bench. Theo Pinson, a guy who's not even playing in the game for the Dallas Mavericks uh, and getting an, a technical foul that ends up w- with sus- Dylan being suspended for another game. Like This is a guy that has not really seemed to care what other people think of him and has really leaned into this whole image thing uh, and did obviously did what he did with LeBron James. And so this has been a change over two years for Dylan Brooks. I think some of it is has been frustrating for the Grizzlies and the Grizzlies front office. Um, and some of it is stuff that you want you you want to have a player that will do those sort of things and will be your heart and soul and will be the guy that will go to battle against the other team's best player every single night. And some of it becomes too much. And I think at some point for Dylan, it just became too much.
0: John Morant this off season, um, are we holding our breath here? Like, can he can he be quiet? Can it be a quiet off season for John Morant?
4: I can only say, obviously, I'm not with John Moran on his in his day to day life, so I don't want to come on here and say I think John Moran's completely changed. He's flipped it like that would be it would be smart. It's not a smart thing to say. But what I can say is, I believe that the Grizzlies believe that he's making the right steps forward, and mm. it, from my perspective being in the locker room for media availabilities talking to jaw uh off the court the the way that he's addressed those things and the conversations has already changed um he's he knows and he's very aware of some of the headlines that are going to be out there or that are out there and the opportunities for him uh to be put on front page news but one thing that I did notice uh, he was asked by a reporter that is not typically a Grizzlies beat reporter, wasn't really following the team in the playoffs, but had really popped in at the end uh, when the season ended after game six. And he was asked about the Giannis quote about failure. And Ja pretty much shot it down right away and said, you know, I I get it. And it was a great quote, but I don't want to be put on this. I don't want to be on these headlines. Like I, I respectfully, I'm just going to leave that to Giannis. I don't want to. We would never get an answer like that from Ja, maybe a half a year ago, six yeah. months ago. Um, and so he, I think he's learning really to to kind of dial it back. And he's done a very good job of that over the last few months. And I asked him, are you proud of yourself for doing that uh, at the exit interviews? And he said, yeah, less Jaw on the blogs. That's that's my goal, less Jaw on the blogs. So uh, I think that at least with the media, he's going to be able to do that. Whether he stays out of the headlines completely this summer. I mean, I don't, I can't say uh, I, I don't follow him in his day-to-day life.
0: Drew, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you have an uneventful off season, but uh, thanks <laughs> yeah. for joining us. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate That's, it. That's uh, Drew Hill. He covers the Grizzlies for the Daily Memphian. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine until noon Eastern six to nine Pacific on Fox sports radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio radio app, at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app.
4: Paulie Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. Of course, you know us as the host of the number one rated show in all of sports talk, the Paulie and Tony Fusco Show. Yeah. If you're hearing this promo right now, it means you're listening to some other show. Uh, well, why the hell are you doing that? Yeah, get your priorities straight. Well, maybe Tony, they listened to this week's episode already. I
2: don't care. Listen to it again.
4: Yeah, great point there, Tony. Anyway, you. so you listening out there, make sure and go do that. And uh, listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
5: All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards.
2: It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.
3: This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in
0: IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Dave McMenamin is uh, the ESPN reporter covering the Lakers. He was there with Game 1 last night in Golden State and joins us on the program. What did you expect last night, Dave?
6: Well, the Lakers coming into it had won 14 out of 18. They've been playing really good ball in high leverage situations. They needed all those wins towards the end of the regular season to secure a spot in the play-in tournament. They beat Memphis. Their confidence was spiked. They got the weekend off. So I expected a strong performance. I don't know if I expected them to be up 14 in the fourth quarter and kind of controlling the action for most of the night. But they're a group that believes that they can win this thing. Uh, That was the sense I had coming into it. And certainly they were going up to San Francisco with the intention to at least get a split.
0: The philosophy, the offensive philosophy, Golden State took over 53s the Lakers seemed like they were content aside from LeBron to have two point attempts here and get to the free throw line. Does that philosophy change for either team going into game two?
6: I think the Lakers want to keep the same diet. I mean, they have recognized that they go generally as Anthony Davis goes. LeBron James is going to manage the game. However, he deems fit on a night to night basis based on however the defense is playing. But If Anthony Davis, it's one of those old maxims, you feed the big man, and then it gets him more activated on on the defensive end. He came off the series against Memphis where he had 26 blocks in a six-game series. He had four blocks in game one, and part of that was going nine for ten from the field in the first half, just activating him. As for the Warriors, obviously they were the highest-paced team in, in the first round of the playoffs. You're comfortable with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry Taking just about any look they could possibly get when they step on a basketball court, I don't know if I'm Steve Kerr. Perhaps I, I, I talked to Jordan Poole a little bit about some of the shots that he took, but overall, I think both teams are content with that stop. I mean, you think about it, it's a tied game with two minutes to go.
0: Okay, but if I paused the Jordan Poole shot as he releases it, would you have said good or bad decision?
6: Oh, bad. I'm like Steph Curry, who's leaning over in disbelief after the shot. Tarem's off to the left. Now I have seen you know, Tyrese Halliburton, a, a bright young star in today's game. He defended the shot. He said, what do you want? It's less than 10 seconds to go. It's wide open. You want him to put it on the floor and lose his you know, vision and, and the separation kind of there. Yeah, You're right. Separation. But you still have 10 seconds. That's sometimes an eternity in a game. And considering how good that group is in relocating uh, shooters, look at the shot that Steph Curry hit to tie it. That was him zipping all around the court and eventually getting open just beyond the line on the right wing. I think you could find a better shot.
0: Yeah. And I, I commended the Lakers for doing what I'm always telling teams to do. Don't let the best guy on the floor beat you. They double team Steph, and therefore, Jordan, Jordan Poole was so open. I don't know if he realized there was 10 seconds left. I don't know if he realized exactly where he was on the floor. But Steve Kerr said all the right things after. Like, all right, you know, we're good with that. You know, I'm fine. like he has to back up his guy. But it, it wasn't even a close shot. That That's what was alarming. If you just said, oh, man, in and out or almost when it wasn't close whatsoever. And that's that difference of 26 feet to 30 feet. And not a lot of guys can do that with a game on the line with the confidence to go, I got my shot.
6: I mean, yeah, we watched the finals last year where he hit several shots even beyond that mark against Boston. And so I guess you could say he's done it before, but every situation can generally find a a better shot, especially considering his teammates. Like You have Clay Thompson, you have Stephen Curry. I I think if you're going to take that shot, you better make it.
0: If you were going to bet on Anthony Davis's performance in game two, really good or really average?
6: There has to be a regression to the mean based on what we saw in the first round now. It doesn't say, have to be, Dave. Well, I mean, to start nine for 10. Well, they have nobody to guard him. rebounds in the first half. That is true. I mean, Kevon Looney, we should put some respect on his name, Dan.
0: No, he's good at rebounding when others miss. He's just not good at maybe stopping Anthony Davis.
6: Therefore, there there's no rebounds. <laughs> to me, it was Anthony Davis getting the shots to fall in the 12 to 14 foot range. Yeah. Uh, his jump shot has eluded him for the last several years, and that was a sign to me. And again, I had a carryover at the free throw line, which is basically the same type of shot, that if he's going to hit that, they're not going to be able to do anything with him. Um, uh, But just the Memphis series, it was a spike of a a really good game, comes down to earth offensively, but still maintaining that defensive presence. I think the Lakers will take it Uh, because if that happens, you look at the first round, six games, five different leading scores for the Lakers. So maybe you don't get a nine for 24 game out of LeBron and he can carry you with the 30-plus night.
0: Dave McMenamin is uh, covering the Lakers and the Warriors, ESPN NBA reporter. We were talking about this is – not a rivalry between these two franchises, but it's more of a a legacy rivalry with Steph and LeBron. Like if one wins another championship, like moving up the the legacy list there, uh, a a title would be more important to who, in your opinion, between those two?
6: If Steph gets a fifth ring on LeBron's watch, there will be... A lot of people out there that that will have him leapfrog LeBron. Really? Uh, oh, of course. I mean, we saw some people last summer that was already putting him in the top five. Okay. That fourth ring. And I think there will be a chorus of that sentiment crescendoing, whereas LeBron's place, I think, is kind of secure so long as he keeps him away from him, keeps, keeps it at a tie, uh, or certainly, obviously, if LeBron gets a fifth ring. Um, LeBron is pretty much top of mind, a top-five player. Steph would get there, I believe, uh, with the additional ring. It's just There is a recency bias to yes. all this, Daniel, but, uh,
0: Yeah, because LeBron has done it for 20 years. Steph
6: has done it for 10 years. For, you know, 13 or something like that at this point. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, he had a couple, a nine-time All-Star, is that right?
6: Yeah, LeBron's Probably. a 20-time All-Star.
0: Yeah.
6: Right, 19. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I don't know if there's any rationality like when it comes to this conversation. It's an emotional one for uh, a lot of fans. But I, I think, to me, if you zoom out a little bit, this is the two ambassadors of the NBA changing beneath their feet. LeBron James is the ultimate positionless player of this era. Steph Curry is the face of the three-point revolution. Both of those tenets of the strategy are are what now carries the day in the league. You okay with
0: Embiid winning MVP?
6: I'm okay with it. I voted for him last year. I voted for Giannis this year. I'm okay with it. I, I don't know. It's a little bit of a, you know, a, so many times the bride made, you're finally the bride because he, he did come in second two years in a row. But uh, you just hope that he's, as you mentioned at the top of this segment, you hope he's on the court against the Celtics and can look like the MVP in the biggest moment of the season.
0: Yeah, I think I think Giannis is the best player in the game. Uh, but I, and having voted on the MVP, it is weird, though, that we feel like, oh, it's like the Academy Awards you know, it's that director's time, or Scorsese deserves it for that movie. And you're like, is that the way we should vote? That it's Embiid's time. Oh, was it? He missed a lot of games.
6: Uh, Bucks had a better record. Yeah, I know. I, mean, I know. To me, it was best player and best team is kind of the thing that, like, what I generally go to. That's, the, that's where I begin with. And then if someone, like, totally... Uh, shoots that argument out of the water, then of course uh, I'll evaluate their case. But I I thought last year it was more impressive for him dealing with the Ben Simmons saga and and not letting that team fall from their expected level. But uh,
0: it it felt like there was a seismic shift when uh, Perkins mentioned about the voting and the makeup of the voters. Because, you know, DraftKings said... The Joker was a prohibitive favorite to win. And it's almost like the voters, because there wasn't much time left in the regular season, I don't think. And it just felt like maybe people did a reset on that. And I thought that that changed the voting, whether it changed it for Embiid winning. But it felt at the time, Joker was the prohibitive favorite to win the MVP. What kind of impact do you think that had, if any, in your opinion? Uh
6: I Like Andrew Perkins is someone who I love working with, and, and I hope people listen to what he has to say. Uh, maybe not all the time, <laughs> but but a lot <laughs> of the time, uh, I think he is kind has his pulse uh, or finger on the pulse uh, of the things that matter in, in the sport. And you know, there was a time in the season when Jason Tatum seemed like the guy was going to get it. And you know, even prior to that, the, Luca, there was a conversation around it. it, it it's a strange thing. Uh, you have to have the requisite moments when people are kind of locking in their vote and we live in the 24 7 news cycle where people kind of get bored of your case even through an 82 game season so it's kind of having the moments at the right time when people's minds are malleable to come off the kind of the initial front-running narrative now i think that's a part of it that is affecting the ultimate outcome the votes are public now and if there is someone that that it seems like the pack mentality is going with do you want to be the one guy to step away from that you know mike brown first unanimous coach of the year pick in nba voting history i don't i mean I, i voted for him as well and i think he's well deserving but I think a diversity of opinion is sometimes a good thing, and the fact that all these awards are put out there and people are concerned in some level of their mind about social media backlash, yeah. doesn't help serve finding the, the the most deserving players.
0: Yeah, you know, and I liken it to Patrick Mahomes. Giannis is in the Patrick Mahomes category. We taken for granted. You know, he won an MVP. He won a title, and and that's an ultimate compliment. Because Mahomes is, what, 26 years of age, maybe 27, and we're like, we forget how great he is. And, and I think we did this with Jordan to a certain degree. Certain players, they graduate, and then we go, oh, that's right. And, and therefore, we root almost for the new story to come up, you know, that we can talk about this guy. Uh, we're, you know The media feels like they've been desperate for Luka to be an MVP, and I keep saying he's not going to be an MVP for a long time. Because the team is not good. And, you know, if he has the number one seed, then he can win an MVP. But, you know, he hasn't graduated there. But it feels like there's some of these guys who get there. You know, when Jordan didn't win twice with Barkley and Carl Malone, it was like people felt like the media was desperate. Like, give us another thing to write about. Even though they were
6: worthy, Jordan was still the MVP of the league. And to this day, Dan, LeBron has four of them. And... Within the last month, I was in the locker room post-game with him in Los Angeles, and we're having a conversation about something, and that's something gnawing at the back of his mind. And he brings it up, Well, still in the (laughs) four MVPs. What's going on? And here's a crazy He hasn't won one in 10 years, Dave. And this was the first year of his career. And now he was not on my MVP ballot. He missed too much time. The Lakers were under 500 for a lot of the season. First time in his 20 year career, he didn't get one vote for MVP. I, that's a wild stat. For 19 straight years, yeah. people who whose opinions, quote unquote, mattered viewed him as the best player in the game. Will you ask him about that? I, most likely. Yeah. Last night, probably not, you know, the podium situation, yeah. He's sitting next to Anthony Davis. But yeah, if there's a shoot around or a practice, I think that'd be an interesting conversation.
0: Hey, thanks for getting up with us. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dave. The superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz. It's impressively techie and surprisingly roomy, with available seating for up to seven. The vehicle is all-electric. The feeling is all Mercedes. Learn more at mbusa.com slash EQB. All right, everybody,
5: game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. And Monopoly Go...